If you're a mom, you're a superhero. That's right, own it. We possess a unique superpower of intuition, a sixth sense for what our kids are up to, how they feel, what they want, and when they want it. Yep, it's amazing. I call this mom sense. Oftentimes, we are Googling for answers, joining Facebook groups, or relegating to taking unsolicited advice from our friends when all we have to do is listen to that voice inside us. No, not the one that's telling you you're fat. The other voice, the one that seems to know everything when it comes to your kids and leaves you feeling confident, empowered, purposeful, and all things hashtag mom goals. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm a mother of twin toddlers and a baby, double the fun plus one. And I can honestly say that now that I'm a mom, I feel like my life is just getting started. On my podcast, I interview industry experts and real life mamas on their mom sense experiences, tackling topics like how to teach kids to meditate, what it takes to have the marriage you've always dreamed of, and how to master your car makeup routine. Grab your latte that's probably ice cold by now and take a listen to That's Total Mom Sense. Hello there, mamas. Welcome to another episode of That's Total Mom Sense. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. Her name is Melanie Chandra. Um, You may recognize her from her roles on ABC's medical drama, Code Black, HBO's The Brink, and films including Love, Lies, and Sita, and For Here to Go, which is currently on Netflix. a little side story I want to share is that we met back in 2006. We were both in this national South Asian pageant um, when we were in our early 20s. Melanie won Miss India America, and um, and I won Miss India East Coast. And it's it's I feel like we were children back then. It's really cool to think that you know we met at rehearsals, and then here we are um, on stage with our crowns and sashes and. You know, it's definitely like a common uh, story for for Indian women who who are um, in media and entertainment and and performing. Um, so nice little coming of age story there. And now here we are, over a decade later, and we're moms. We we made humans, which is <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, and so what you may not know is that Mel is um, a super mom to her one year old daughter Aria, and she's working on some really groundbreaking projects um, right now, including her newly produced show Serena and Mel. So Mel, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So tell us about. Um, you know, your world of, of entertainment and, and how you how you broke into the industry. Sure. So I, I broke in uh, through our pageant. No, <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> through the Miss India America pageant. Um, no, I, uh, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an actress, but I really had no point of reference, you know, with immigrant parents from India and growing up in a pretty small white town in middle America. You know, the only faces I saw on TV were none that looked like me. I think there was Cal Penn or <laughs> Street the Childry and Mississippi Masala. Um, and so I kind of put those dreams aside because I didn't know it was even possible. Um, fast forward years later, I'm, I find myself in New York City. I just gotten my engineering degree, which is obviously such a training ground for acting. Um, but I got, my, <laughs> I got my degree, came to New York City to work. And um, 
I came across an Indian American actress. Uh, her name is Pooja Kumar. Do you happen to know Pooja? Yes, yes. And you know what? She's she's a pageant winner herself. I remember yeah. she emceed um, one of the local pageants um, in New Jersey. So yeah, um, but yeah, of course. And um, she's a phenomenal actress and producer. Yeah. So I, I met this beautiful, kind woman, and I was just starstruck. I was like, wow, another. Indian woman is an actress. It was the first one I'd ever met in my life. And I was just so intrigued. And I started talking to her more about it. And she gave me some pointers. And so I started, you know, taking classes. And, um, you know, before I knew it, I was living two lives because I was working at this corporate job 60 hours a week in management consulting. And then I was taking all these acting classes on the side or working on like, you know, these podunk student films, whatever it was to get in front of the camera or on yeah. stage. Um, and I found my health actually uh, deteriorating in a very strange way. But basically, I, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was stressed out with work. I was, you know, cultivating this creative part of me. And um, yeah, not many people know this, but I'll share this with you here, is I had a, this was like in the thick of things, I actually had a seizure at work. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine now. I had to take some time off to figure out what was going wrong, but you know, it was an ultimatum. It was like, Hey, we want to send you work with saying they wanted to send me away to a different city to work for six months. And my heart was like, Oh my God, but I really love all this, you know, art that I'm creating here. I know it sounds like super millennial. (laughs) No, but it was, yeah, it was, you were at your brink. You needed to kind of make a choice, I guess. Yeah. And so my, my whole body like short circuited and then I had to take time back to figure out what was going on with my health. And then I chose to, you know, take a risk and jump into acting and yeah, had some bumps along the way, but that's, now what I do full time, but now I'm also producing as well, which is something you touched upon in the intro. So the reason I got into producing was I had wanted to, I've been always wanting to tell stories and as an actor, that's one way of doing it. But I just had so many ideas in my head for stories that need to be told. And um, I didn't really get around to it until I was pregnant. And, um, you know, as an actress who's starting to show like when you're six months or whatever, four or five, six months, um, you know, you're not really invited to audition. <laughs> um, it's really hard to get hired as a pregnant woman. I mean, in any industry, it's not just acting. Um, so do you feel like your career as an actor and producer took off after motherhood? I would say my producing career for sure. Um, I would say, you know, there's so many different starts, um, false starts, I guess you can say. And um, with acting, you know, I when I first moved to LA for, you know, two years, I, you know, I hit a big, not big, but, um, I had some roles booked and then I had a lull for like a year and then I had something smaller booked and then I had a lull for a year. And then I first booked my first series regular, um, on code black. And I was engaged at that time, but that was hard because the first two years of my life where I was long distance, my husband, I just got married and, and then ended up working on the show. It was LA, New York. Um, and then I got pregnant and then acting slowed down, but then producing picked up. Um, but I'm very much dedicated to acting again. I just shot, you know, independent film in Chicago a few weeks ago. And so I'm slowly but surely um, establish, reestablishing myself again in the acting world. But producing stuff, man, it's, it's so rewarding. And I think 
that motherhood definitely uh, fueled me in a way I didn't think was possible. Wow, that's so cool. I want to take it back a little and um, kind of get your perspective on being a woman in the industry and I guess more specifically a brown woman in the industry. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, like I'm personally anti-stereotypes. I feel like we shouldn't have to justify um, that, but it is the kind of harsh reality when you're when you're um, pitching to networks of, you know, you're a brown woman on TV. So what mm-hmm. was that like, you know, well before you, you had, um, had your daughter? Um, you know, I'm not one to complain or point fingers at any, anyone. Um, but, you know, coming from a, a place where I've thought about this for a while, I've experienced it. You know, there's, there's challenges, you know, like I had managers that, you know, I, I felt like I was looked at as more of uh, like as a commodity, like mm. an Indian actress. And so where can I plug in an Indian actress? Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's not one person's fault. That's just kind of the nature of this entertainment space where as actors, you're treated as products, essentially. And, and mm. yeah, and just that uh, pawns and this greater, um, greater like strategic game. And so when you're just starting out, you don't it's hard to have a say when you don't have the credits for you to really, for people to listen to you, to command authority. And so it's a hard, it's hard. One of the pieces of advice I got when I was starting my career, which I didn't really take, but I'll just share it with you was don't do Indian roles, like limited to your race when you start because you'll get pigeonholed into it. But I I didn't actually agree with that because I thought, you know, your community, so whether you're, um, you know, black, Indian, Asian, whatever it is, like your community is there to support you. So if those are your first roles, like that's great. And it's only uh-huh. your mindset that can really limit you to expanding out from there. So I I would say the good thing about it is you do have support from other people in your community whether it's collaborating with them or um, in their projects or writing your own stories. But then when you take the next leap, it gets a little harder, right? Um, And there are agents and managers out there who will only see you as one thing. And they will only see you as, okay, there's a doctor role casting. Now I'm going to call you audition for it. Not for like the leading lady. Um, so my advice is always just to work with people that see you more than your skin color. That's the only way you have to build the right team. That's on the same page as you. Well, that's great advice. Mm -hmm. So tell us how you and your husband met. I know you met back in college, but I feel like that's, um, you know, a very significant part of your story and then of you, you know, becoming a family. So tell us a little about him. Okay. Uh, so my husband and I met when he was a senior and I was a freshman. We were both at Stanford University. And I was actually on a date uh, with his best friend. At, and not like a date date, but, you know, a formal, like those, you know, formal dance parties. So um, his best friend asked me to go with him. And so I was at this event and um, my husband, Neeraj, was there too. And I found myself really hitting it off with Neeraj. <laughs> <laughs> but like I didn't like I didn't really think twice I was just like oh he's su- super nice and sweet and, yeah. and then 
it like didn't work out with his friend and I, and that was more of like just a fun thing. It wasn't like a serious, you know, in college, you just go to the parties. He was like, Hey, do you want to come to this party with me? So it was kind of one of those things, but my husband asked his friend like, Hey dude, did it work out with that girl? I was like, nah. And so, (laughs) uh, at least that was the story. And so he asked me out on a date, but he asked me out like five times because I was like this very timid freshman girl. Like I was social, but I was really kind of, um, I guess protective when it came to uh-huh. like dating and anything serious and all that. And one of my RAs in my freshman dorm was like, Oh, he's a senior, like be careful. And you know, yeah. it's almost graduation. <laughs> Who knows what their attention is. So I was kind of like freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Rightfully so. And yeah. All, you yeah. Know, and- yeah. So he asked me out like five times. I said no. And then finally we agreed to lunch and then it was really nice. But then he graduated. He moved out to New York. Um, mm-hmm. And then years later, I happened to be out in New York City. I'm still in college. I was out in New York City for a weekend and I randomly bump into him at a bar. Get like, out. Yeah. Oh, without yes. talking, without ta- saying a word to him for three years, we just bump yeah. into each other. And I was like, awkward <laughs> wow that's serendipity kismet whatever you want to call it that's yeah wow yeah and that's where it began did you guys kind of talk about having a family one day um I feel like sometimes it's just something that comes up early on or it's like okay we'll get married and then tackle it <laughs> well on the at our second date he was like I think I want to marry you and I was like oh my goodness how cute like, is that and I was like I think I want to marry you too <laughs> 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 it took us many years later um, to actually get married because we were so young. Um, but yeah. we always knew we wanted to end up with each other. Mm-hmm. And we did. And it wasn't, I, I don't know, honestly, I don't know when the discussion about kids came in. But we always knew we wanted some. It wasn't like we were never, we were never, um, we were always on the same page that we wanted kids. We wanted two. Well, I, I want two. He wanted like five. He's like, <laughs> why not build a dynasty? I'm like, well. Yeah. You're not the one popping them out. <laughs> um, what was it like when you finally had Aria? Well, it was, I mean, the best thing that ever happened, right? It was, mm-hmm. you know, as you get older, you realize it's so hard to, it can be very hard to have kids. And I had, you know, I had a miscarriage my first go around and everything happens for a reason. It was really early on. Um, so it's like, you know, I've heard really um, gut-wrenching stories. It was hard for us, but... You know, yeah. it re- made us really, really appreciate when the second pregnancy came around and everything was fine. Um, mm-hmm. I felt, you know, very grateful. I felt supported by my husband and, you know, my, it was nice because it brought together all of our families, the idea of like having a baby. Um, and I, you know, I tried to take care of myself just as much as possible. I was still kind of working through it and all this producing stuff, but um, I kept going. I wanted to stay you know, intellectually challenged and physically like take care of myself. And, um, fortunately it was a, it was a pretty smooth pregnancy. Uh, I know not many people can say that, but like, yeah, I'm so grateful that I had a pretty smooth pregnancy and yeah, with labor, obviously that hurts. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I didn't feel a thing, but yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I had an epidural too but like <laughs> leading up to it it was so painful and the recovery that is the worst that no oh. one tells you about the recovery like, no. yeah. there's this uh post that Chrissy Teigen put on Instagram where she was like I didn't know me and my baby would be coming home in diapers um yeah re- <laughs> recovery is a bitch for sure <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but um, were you pregnant when you were actually filming Code Black? Like, what was like that like when you first found out? Mm. So actually, we were on hiatus of Code Black when I had gotten pregnant, at least the first go round. And so mm-hmm. then I thought, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to go back for the third season. They'll have to write it in. And right. um, then that didn't work out. And then I got pregnant again. I'm like, okay, okay, it's fine. It'll, uh, I'll still go back and they'll work it in. But um, yeah, unfortunately, they had to make a lot of changes on the show. So, you know, my character, a couple other characters didn't like make the cut. We, you know, they decided to just change up storylines, change up writers, cut down budgets. So unfortunately my character actually didn't come back for the third season. So yeah. it was, it was challenging for me, obviously creatively. Like I, you know, I enjoyed being able to act for a living. Um, but also like I was kind of put in a position where I'm like, wow, I, I'm back in this. Now I'm pregnant and I don't have any guaranteed work. Um, yeah. When you're in a series regular contract, they, they need to work with it, but to get to be a pregnant woman trying to get work again in any industry, do you know how hard yeah. that is? Yeah. So it's- for me, it was like a huge, it was like, oh, that was, it was horrible timing, but it all happens for a reason because that's when I started producing Serena and Mel. I would right. not have been able to have the time to do that. The HBO series, which is called Attachment and Serena and Mel, these are my two projects. Both of those would not have worked out if I had still been working on Code Black. And um, with Serena and Mel, um, I produced and, uh, yeah, and and starred in the pilot for it when I was seven months pregnant. And so for me, I was able to shoot some, hire a team to shoot around my baby bump. (laughs) And that was pretty cool. There was another girl, uh, another actress in our show who's like, was pregnant too. So it was awesome. Like, it was actually a really empowering experience, not having to be bossed around, but being the one that got to make the decisions and support all the other women that's that's so cool that um, that you and another actress were both going through this. I feel like that just makes you guys superheroes to like, you know, you were memorizing your scripts and working these long hours and like um, on camera, behind the camera, like, you know, all while producing a baby. That's mm-hmm. no joke. Mm-hmm. It was exhausting. I, I wouldn't like <laughs> recommend it to everybody, but like it was a, it was a short, it was a less than a week. So I was able to like manage it for that much, but it was hard. Yeah. Wow. It's like, excuse me while I puke real quick. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how was it working with, um, with Serena, one of your best friends? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, the reason we want to do the show, one of the reasons is like, you get to work with your best friends and people mm-hmm. you enjoy. We just worked so well together ever since like the first day we met and decided to write things. It's like, we have no shortage of ideas. And I think we like really compliment each other. Like in the show, we play heightened versions of ourselves. So mm-hmm. Melanie, my character is like the grounded one and compose and super type A. And then she's more, you know, raw and impulsive and fun. Like she's way cooler than me. Um, and so uh, she helps bring me out of my shell and then I helped ground her. And so I think we do that in real life. But, you know, um, what's cool about our show is we really get to um, capture all the nuances of that sort of dynamic, which I think is relatable. I think a lot of people can relate to it. And yeah, we just, we just, so we just hope we get to tell these stories that obviously come from a real place. Um, just, yeah, I hope we can continue to tell these stories together. I mean, 
most of what I've done in life, I haven't been able to do by myself. Like I always have to align with people that know how to do things that I don't know, or people I look up to. It's, you know, building an organization, a uh, show, whatever it might be, it involves other people. So it's like, you got to like the people you work with. You got to love the people you work with, right? You have to know that you're going to be able to overcome any hiccups that, that, you know, come your way. No, I wanted to say that this is such a beautiful thing because as a team, you can build something larger than yourselves. Um, so walk us through a day in the life. And I know with a one-year-old, it must be <laughs> really hectic because she's walking around now. But if you could just think back to like when you, uh, when you first had Aria, you mm-hmm. know, you're like, I guess you're rapping on the show and then pitching and yeah. like nursing and like late nights, like walk us through mm-hmm. that phase. Oh my God. Well, if we're going back that far, ugh, it was, it was hard because I had a deadline for when I wanted to finish post-production on our Serena and Mel pilot. And that was maybe like two months postpartum. And oh. I'm working with, you know, people in like our director happened to be in India during that time. Our writer was in LA, Serena and I were in New York. Our editor was all over the place. So my, my day in the life was like, um, like wake up, breastfeed and or pump, like eating. I had, um, I had issues with, it was hard for me to breastfeed or get my milk supply up. So I just remember, you know, just eating oatmeal and taking all of my supplements and then pumping every few hours to make sure the supply was good. Um, yeah. have to like step out for meetings if I needed to come back and pump, or breastfeed. <laughs> I'm yeah, just, I it's like this, like, you know, alarm that follows you everywhere. Yeah. Like it's all so vague in my, so I might be getting the order of things wrong, but it was just like, I just know I was constantly connected to this pump and this child that needed milk. You know, it's like, you can't step out for more than like two hours and do something. It was really hard. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, you're trying to play. My mom, my parents were in town for a little bit, so it was nice. And then we had in-laws visiting. But you also want to be, you know, when you have other family members in your space, you still want to be polite and take care of them. And so it's hard for you to be completely. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I, I can completely relate. When my parents came, when I had the twins, I mean, we had, you know, a night nurse for the beginning and then a nanny. Um, but like, I still, I feel like because of the whole breastfeeding process and like being, you know, just like the walking dead all day long, like, yeah, I was not a good host at all. Like, you know, I didn't like cook anything or ask if they ate and that's just so not who I am so yeah it it makes you like out of place in that way yeah but it was nice my mom was there and she she definitely cooked for me we did have like a baby nurse for a little bit so that that helped I wouldn't be able to go back to doing any sort of work um but with this uh deadline that I had um I was my sleeping hours were all off anywhere. So in order for me to do a call with India and LA, like I would be doing these things at two in the morning and oh. no one knew I was pumping like during all of these calls. Yeah. I would just like mute myself when I wasn't talking, but like, yeah, every day it was like hours working on this thing. It was, mm-hmm. it was crazy, but I was so fueled by it too. It was fueled to obviously take care of my daughter but also like finish this project because um 
you know, in a way, like I wanted my daughter to be proud of me too. I want her to know that like her mom is still working towards accomplishing her goals. Um, Absolutely. I think that that's um, what's so significant about all this is that you're a role model for Aria in this way. You are too for your kiddos. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So now tell us about what it's like with a one-year-old and you're traveling for pitches. You did one recently Mm -hmm. um, and you're, you know, you and Serena were with Cal Penn. Mm -hmm. So what's that like? I mean, what is that like? You know, you're, you're on the road. Yeah. It's so hard because you really have to limit your time when you're away. So, for example, I I did take her to Chicago when I was filming a short film two weeks ago, and it was like a good 12 days. And so, but I was able to stay at home with my parents because they live in Chicago. That was the only reason I took her. Um, Because obviously, if I'm going somewhere random, I don't know. I haven't been in that position yet where if I've been asked to, you know, go to like Vancouver for two weeks and film... And I would have to bring a caretaker, you know, so that's people do that. That's a consideration. But this last trip to um, California for these Serena and Mel pitches, like I said, I had to go in and out because I wanted to minimize time away from Aria. And that was a trip I knew I couldn't bring her because hey, it was short. It was, you know, five days. But I mean, which feels like an eternity. But also I knew I would be so into zone and like, um we had a like really, it was just long days that I'd probably barely even see her, you know, and I didn't want her to, um, I wanted my husband to spend time with her as well. And so it was hard, but yeah, it's like, okay, I'll fly in before the first meeting and leave right after the last meeting at odd hours. So it's one of those things. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that, that must have been so tiring. Um, and I, I totally get it. I think you, it would have just been more conducive um for you and the team to be productive to just get shit done while you're there and no kids no nothing yeah Um, definitely but you know it's not always going to be like that it's that's a thing about entertainment and being an entrepreneur and what you're doing things are like project to project based and you have no idea what's going to come at you next so you just always have to figure it out as you go along yes absolutely um, one thing that I, I love that you and Neeraj do is I feel like you still um, make it a point to um, have a social life and bring Aria along, um, whether you're going to, you know, maybe like family weddings or like a picnic, um, you know, so tell us about that. How do you, how do you do that? Do you have any tricks up your sleeve when you are, you know, doing any kind of events or outings with, mm-hmm. with a baby? Yeah, we, we've always said this you know even before we had kids that we wanted to make sure that we're incorporating aria into our life and Mm. not um just changing our lives completely obviously so many things change but in a good way um so like you know for weekends and we'll just bring her out to brunches in the city and early dinners in the city we don't try to keep her hold up in our apartment it's okay if her sleep schedule is slightly off on the weekends, but we think it's very important for her to get out and be exposed to all sorts of um, people. And, you know, we went traveling with her when she was three months. We went to Paris. I'd never been to Paris, but now my daughter at three months has already been yeah. to Paris. <laughs> has her passport stamped. <laughs> has her passport like stamped many times. We took her to Mexico briefly uh, for a wedding. We... Um, what else would we do? Um, we're taking her actually to the place we got married tomorrow. We leave. 
Yeah, tomorrow we leave to go back to Turks and Caicos, which is where um, Neeraj and I got married. And we're going to go there for a four-year anniversary and uh, bringing Aria with us. That's so sweet. And now you have a new addition that you're bringing with you to create new memories with, you know, and you mm-hmm. can... Um, have Aria meet like you know the staff at the resort and all that yeah it'll be so nice <laughs> yeah tell us about Aria's personality is she more like you or near it or a little bit of both oh she's definitely both so she is like me because she's um she's really smiley like when I was a kid I was really smiley and like playful with people um but she's also extremely tenacious. And I think that yeah. comes from my husband. <laughs> like if she wants something, she will not back down, which I think is good really for good for a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and what is your advice for, for moms who want to break into the industry? I mean, you know, there's women who know that eventually they do want to start a family. So like that's something that they have to kind mm-hmm. of con- early on and then there are those who are already moms so what's your advice for them kind of navigating both worlds yeah that's that's a really interesting question I haven't gotten it from the perspective of like a mom trying to break in I think a great way to make an entrance is to create your own content if you can produce something and get it into the hands of the right people um it's just hard. Auditioning your way up is hard. And so if you can, can come out, uh, come at it from the other side of creating your own opportunities, you'll definitely stand out. Um, also, just make sure, you know, you're, you're training, you're taking a good acting class and meeting other um, people in the industry. Like the more you know, the more people can help you out and you can collaborate with one day. But so, you know, training is obviously like the best way to start, but also start thinking about what is a unique story that you want to tell? Who do you want to tell it to? And how do you make that and get it into the right hands? So I would try those two things. And I guess it kind of helps to have a village to help you out to, to, you know, fill in the the gaps when you need. So um, can you tell us about like your village? Like who helps you when you're you know, in the zone and, and you're focusing on your work and the strides you're making in your career? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, you know, I have my reps now. I have my agents and my managers that obviously work with me to get me the right auditions and do negotiations and all that and guide me in my career. But I also have like great friends and mentors and my husband that can support me like emotionally. You know, it does get really challenging. Um, it's not easy. It's like booking a role in a primetime TV show is like winning the lottery. Like that's what the odds are like. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. And what about your village for, for Aria? Like, oh, they, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously my husband, but um, my mm-hmm. my parents, his parents, our siblings. Um, yeah, we have a great nanny we love. We have, uh, we have, you know, friends, other friends here in New York with kids. And I think yeah. we're trying to do more and more play dates. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's our village. Yeah, that's that's so great. Um, I wanted to touch on Hospital for Hope. Tell us about that and then maybe how, you know, you probably look at it in a different lens now that um, you're a mother and, you know, you started this this charity helping children. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was the idea for Hospital 
for Hope was born out of college, actually. So a couple of my friends and I, we'd volunteered in India one summer through a student organization. And after we graduated, we still kind of wanted to um, work with this village and thought we could address their greatest need, which was a hospital. They didn't, this village didn't have one for like over, it takes like five hours to drive to the nearest hospital in that area. So we we were all working like young professionals, had resources, networks, and we just raised a lot of money and got some partners in the ground in India. And um, yeah, I built this hospital that is now like serving thousands of patients every month, which is really cool. Um, you know, now that I have a daughter and I think back to whether it's Hospital for Hope or any of these other organizations that empower and help young kids especially girls it like really hits me I don't I'm sure it's the same thing for you too it's just like wow you it's like you care about kids when before you have them but then you have them and it's just it takes on a whole new meaning to help um love and nurture a young child and make sure that they're um you know able to achieve their goals in life and be empowered so it's just I get really emotional thinking about it yeah I I think of uh how privileged our our children are and how you know there's so many parts of the world that that don't like have the basic needs that that we have and I I mean it breaks my heart to think that children are living day to day like this and and moms too are are doing the best that they can you know, with the resources that they have. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great that you're, you've created an initiative like this um, because, you know, raising kids is hard and, you know, to think of the challenges that, that they go through um, not having a hospital or not having those healthcare needs or clean water um, or the access that, to education that we have is just, um, it's really, really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I want to um, ask you about your mom sense moment. So, you know, what was really the the impetus for the show was um, a mother's own sixth sense, you know, about her, about her kids. And so if you and Aria kind of had a moment like this where you were like, you know, I, I want to do it this way. And I feel like this is the best way for her because I just know. Um, do you have like an anecdote you could share with us about that? Sure. I This weird thing happened um, maybe like when Ari was two or three months in. I was having a nightmare myself. And then I woke up and then I heard Aria crying. And it was like a particular cry. And my husband woke up and he's like, oh, do we need to feed her? I'm like, no, no. I just think she's having a nightmare. <laughs> and um, yeah, and she... I was just like, just let her, just let it ride out. And it just, the cry was just so different than anything I heard before. And it was something that I felt in my body. Like I just had a nightmare and, um, and then, yeah. And then after a few minutes, she calmed down and went back to bed and she's, it was, yeah. I mean, but prior to that, you know, she'd be, she wakes up and she's hungry and you feed her, but I'm like, we don't have to do it for this one. I know it's happening. And, uh, you know, there's been moments recently now that Arya's on solids and she is at that stage where she's pushing all of her food away. Um, even if it's freshly made that day, either me or the nanny or whatever. And it's like, okay, you should eat this. It's really good for you. But for some reason, like sometimes I just know I'm like, oh, she doesn't feel like this. You know what? 
this is what I feel like eating right now as a mom. And then I make it from scratch and, and then I give it to her and she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, this is what I want too. It's like, I almost her hunger cues or my hunger cues. Like I know what she's craving because it's exactly what I'm craving. It's like the weirdest thing. Let's not forget our quote of the day. So can you share a quote that you live by? Yeah, one of the quotes, I didn't come this far to only come this far. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. So it, it's I mean, it's important for us as moms too. Like I have all these dreams and ambitions prior to having Aria. And like I've worked so hard and I want to keep going, you know, because like I said, I want my daughter to, I want to make the world a better place for my daughter. And right. a lot of that comes from completing some of the goals that I set out to do for myself that I worked really, really hard for. So, yeah. you know, I think being a mom is challenging, but it's also empowering. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're just paving the way um, for your daughter and other moms and, and kids. And that's just an incredible thing. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. Well, one, from a beauty standpoint, I remember when I was like breastfeeding and then just finished breast, my skin looked like death. And it was just like all the nutrients in life had been sucked out of it. Um, one, pro- <laughs> one product I really like was um, Sunday Riley has this Juno uh, superfood face oil. And I just put a little bit of that with like my sunscreen or with my foundation and it gets me that like nice glow that I have when I was pregnant, which you quickly lose after you have the baby. And so there's that. And I also really like that, um, that miracle 360 cup, the one that munchkins make. So those two. So anything else you want to share with our listeners today? Um, no, I think this is a really cool idea. I'm excited for this podcast. I wish I had listened to this podcast when I was like, pregnant. I would have oh, learned, a, I would have been a little bit more prepared, I think, once I got into mommyhood. Yeah, no, but well, you're, you know, you're helping other moms and especially other first time moms, um, like feel at ease and, and navigate this process because it is one like no other in our life. Um, and how can our listeners find you and, you know, support your projects? Oh, sure. Well, you mean on social media, you can follow me at Melanie Chandra, um, both on Instagram and Twitter. And mm-hmm. what else? Yeah, just, um, and Serena and Mel, you know, we've built kind of this interest, this like, cult social media following so you can follow at serena and mel as well both on instagram and facebook and just you know keep keep uh passing along the word you know this show both my shows i'm working on are trying to really showcase indian aware indian american women in ways they haven't been seen before on mainstream tv like just breaking all the stereotypes that exist so hopefully you guys can support and we can see both of these shows on TV in the next year or two. That'd be great. So exciting. Thank you so much for joining us, Mel. You are shattering the glass ceiling and moving the the needle in your own right. And we're all here to support you. Um, So excited to, to share this with the world and 
have you in our corner. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some great takeaways from my chat with Melanie. Tune in to other episodes and browse my YouTube videos and blog posts on my website. That's TotalMomSense.com. If you have any suggestions for show topics or guests I should invite on the show or are seeking advice with your personal journey through pregnancy or parenting or just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's Total Mom Sense.